3: Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM.
4: Beautiful Friday morning out there. 1850-715-996, 1850 715 the number to call, the text or WhatsApp, 083-396-9696, email opinion at 96fm.ie. Throughout the morning, I want you to think of something for me. We did this about a month ago when he was launching the idea. Well, this weekend, Graham Clifford's virtual thank you day comes to pass on Sunday. And he won't, we'll explain later on how we want you to... To celebrate it, as it were, and get it trending on Sunday. But we want you to come up with something, somebody for whom you are grateful. Just a simple thing that makes you grateful. Something someone did for you, something somebody said to you. Just someone or something that happened in your life to make you grateful for which you want to say thank you. And we let that run throughout the course of the morning. we read up some of your nice ones at 083-396-9696. Text or WhatsApp. If you want to call me with that as well, you can do it at 1850-715-996. It's also a day when our local figures here in Cork give us more hope. Are um, We are doing so, so well in Cork with regard to crushing the numbers. And I had stopped doing them twice a week, but for today I'm going to do them again because they are so good. We are getting there. We need to be very careful and all the warnings coming from Neffet, we can't, we must walk before we can run, but we are getting there in Cork. All that to come throughout the course of the morning, but first of all, a major breaking story of what is now a double murder investigation and a search for a vehicle and a warning not to approach the vehicle if you should see it. Our senior news correspondent Fiona Corcoran is across this. Mitchellstown story, Fiona, two men dead. What more can you tell us? Good morning.
5: Yes, PJ, obviously this is a breaking story and we haven't got all of the information just yet. But what we do know is that Gardaí were alerted to this farm, which is just in a rural area outside Mitchellstown on the Kildarey Road in a place called Gurham and um when gardy arrived at this farm they discovered the bodies of two uh, brothers aged in their 60s one of the men was dead found dead in a yard and one was found in a shed and uh, Gardi sealed off the scene immediately and um, began an investigation and the state pathologist's office has been notified and a post-mortem examination on those two bodies will be carried out later Um, and the Garda technical team will also be carrying out an investigation at the scene. Now you mentioned there about the van, Gardi issued an appeal this morning if they're trying to trace a red Toyota Corolla van. It has a Wicklow registration um, 03WW1556. Now, I understand, PJ, that that van may have been uh, recovered in the last few minutes, but I'm just right. trying to get confirmation on that. So, I um, I think the appeal, as it is, stands, but we're just trying to confirm that, whether okay. or not that van has been found. But Gardy did issue that appeal. It was a red Toyota Corolla van 03WW1556, and they did ask members of the public to dial 999 rather than approach the vehicle. But um, when we get some confirmation on that, we will let you know okay. um, whether or not that's been found. And we'll, but, come, yeah. we'll come
4: straight back to you if you do get just the thing do we know how the alarm was raised who raised the alarm have we any kind um, of a frame here
5: yeah it's understood that a relative um, uh, contacted Gardi and said that they understood that an incident had happened at this farm now um, I don't think that the two men lived on the farm I think one of them may have not been a resident there Mm. Um, but Gardy. then, so that's how the alarm came about that they were alerted by a relative and were told that an incident had happened and uh, members of the Garda Armed Response Unit Went to the farm and they discovered these two bodies. And uh, we do know at this stage that they are brothers, believed to be in their 60s. Okay. And um, we have very little information other than that at the minute. We don't know what happened. Yeah. We don't know um, who was driving that uh, that van. But um, you know, have
4: the declared this a murder investigation, Fiona?
5: Um, They haven't officially um, declared this a murder investigation, but they I suppose in cases like this, PJ, they usually wait until after the post-mortem examination. But at this stage, it does look like a double murder, yeah.
4: Okay, all right. Well, if we have any more from you uh, during the morning, uh, we'll come back to you. Um, And uh, thank you very much for that. That's Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter for Cork's 96FM. Two men dead brothers we believe in their 60s we understand and we're waiting to know what has happened with this van the number it's a red Toyota Corolla van 03WW1556 if you see it do not approach it immediately call 999 is the instruction from the gather press office but we understand we're waiting on confirmation if and when we get it we'll bring it to you we're waiting on confirmation that it may have been recovered it may have been found and as soon as we have more on it, we will return to Fiona later in the morning.
3: The opinion line on Corks 96 FM.
0: With Lehan Motors leading the way for Toyota Hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See Lehan Motors.ie
3: this is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083
0: 396
4: 96 96. On Cork's 96 FM. Now, the national news this morning, full of coronavirus, as always. The warning from Neffet that we may be some time yet before we get back to normal life and I think we accept that and it's going to be very important that as we get the case numbers down that the vaccine rollout accelerates and how important that's going to be we can't overstress how important that's going to be but I want to focus on Cork because I I, I changed my Twitter hashtag uh, this week to Cork for Zero and uh, I, I absolutely believe that we can crush it In this city by the Lee and this county of the south. We can. We're doing it. We've half a million people in Cork and we are getting there. And what happens when we get there, I don't know. But I just know that we can get there. As of this morning, our 14-day figure of cases across Cork City and County is 439 We had uh, 23 cases yesterday, I think, 24 cases yesterday. 439 is our 14-day figure. Our moving average for five days is 20, which is down again after the last couple of days. It was 22 or 3 on Wednesday. It's down. So we are continuing to knock it down. So our 14-day figure as of this morning is 81 per 100,000. On Wednesday, which was the last time we looked, that was 92 so we've gone down from 92 to 81 in just a couple of days on our 14 day case numbers if we go back to last week we can begin to see the decline last week our 14 day figure on friday was 577 which is 115 per 100,000 so in a week we've gone from 115 down to 81 which is a nice little decline go back last month let's to friday the to the 26th of January when our 14 day figure in Cork city and county was 3438 or 687 per per 100,000 which means in a month we've quartered it more than quartered it in a month and go to December 935 so from December to January we shot up and now we are gradually bringing it down, bringing it down from where we are now to single figures will be much much harder, because it's easier to go from 50 to naught than it is to go from 100 to 50. All the experts, all the epidemiologists, all the modellers tell us that. But where we are now on the maths, and this is as a like back of a back of a copybook mathematics, we can be in single figures in Cork in five weeks. That's single figures on a 14-day total, like we did last summer. So we can be back where we were last summer in Cork in five weeks. I absolutely believe we can get there. What happens when we do, I don't know. I'm not going to say I have any answers. But we can get there. We can get there in five weeks. And single figures in a 14-day total would be pretty much zero COVID. What we do then... Who knows? Now, admittedly, the caveat is on it that the schools are starting to go back on Monday and there'll be two stages of the schools going back this month and that may well change things. I hope it doesn't change them for the worse. It may do so. We have to be wary of that. But at the moment, on this Friday morning, this gloriously beautiful Friday morning, Cork is in a good place. On who do you want to say thank you? PJ, a tutor of mine from a number of years ago, gave me an amazing outlook on what I could achieve at a time that I couldn't see the wood from the trees. His name was Stan Knott. That's from Calvin. Ah, yeah, we know Stan well. Fergal and I know Stan many, many years. Decent guy, great artist, and I'm hoping to catch up with Stan in the next week or so. He's got a brilliant idea for Mother's Day. A cracker of an idea for Mother's Day, which, yeah, Mother's Day is next month. Mother's Day is (laughs) two or three weeks Sunday, I think. Uh, Anyhow. Gillian says, have to thank a girl in Middleton... Julie Houlihan, I'm hoping this is, she made cakes two weeks ago and went around and delivered them to people's doorsteps, obviously making sure they were home first. We were lucky enough to get them. She did this out of the kindness of her own heart. The cost to her must have been huge. She's a brilliant baker and they didn't last long. Thanks, Julie. Love to you from Gillian. And those are the little stories we want to give us a bit of joy this Friday morning as we work towards uh, Graham Clifford's Virtual Thank You Day, National Thank You Day, which is Sunday, and I will talk to Graham uh, later about how it's going, how the plans are going, and how we can get involved in it on Sunday. But I do want your little stories this morning—lovely, simple stories like that. Oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six, or call me if you want at eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. We're on our travels again. Uh, We've been to Australia this week, getting dire warnings about what can and will go wrong with mandatory quarantine, if you don't do it right. This time we're going to Israel, because we've been hearing so much about vaccinations in Israel. They're vaccinating at the fastest rate in the world at the moment, vaccinating their people. Their economy is starting to reopen, and we want to look at how that's going to work what shape are they in, in Israel, really? As in, let's go beyond the newspapers, let's go beyond the television, let's try to figure out what is the truth. And is the truth as bright as we're hearing? So Fergal Barry <laughs> went diligently trawling to find not just an Irishman, as there's plenty of them, but a Corkman in Israel. And typical of Fergal Barry, he found one. His name is Daniel, and I've been speaking to him, and we will let you hear that next. The opinion
3: line on Corks 96 FM. With
0: Lehan Motors leading the way for Toyota Hybrids, the place to order your 211 Toyota. See LehanMotors.ie
3: this is courts Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call
0: us now, 1850-715-996. On
3: Cork's 96 FM.
4: Okay, just an update on our opening story this morning. The death of two brothers in their 60s in Mitchellstown, believed to be a double murder, not yet formally declared as such by the Gardaí, but believed to be a double murder that red van that the Gardaí were searching for the latest news from Fiona our senior news correspondent is they are still searching for that van it is a red Toyota Corolla registration number o 3 ww 1556 O3WW0556 if you see it if you have come across it if you have passed it if you know where it is do not Under any circumstances, approach it. That is the instruction from Gardi. Immediately call 999 or 112 if you should see or come across or notice this vehicle. Do not approach it. That's the very strict instruction from Gardaí. Call 999 if you see this red Toyota Corolla van, registration number 03WW1556. Back to our new friend... In Israel. His name is Daniel Rosehill. And I caught up with him last evening on the old Skype machine. Daniel, thanks for joining us from Israel. A, a corkman, there are a few years, I think, now.
6: Uh, that's right, PJ. I've been living in Jerusalem now for five years. What took you there in the first place? So I did. There's a, there's a kind of a concept called Aliyah, which is basically Jewish people moving out to Israel. So I grew up Jewish in Cork and uh, I guess just kind of felt attracted to somewhere where that was a bit more normal than in Cork, which is, you know, a very, very small, yeah. uh, non-existing community almost. Interesting story in itself. So talk to me,
4: Daniel, about life in Israel. We hear all sorts of stories about mass vaccinations really fast vaccination of huge numbers of people and great results back from the research. So what can you tell us?
6: So, yeah, the the rollout's definitely been very quick. It kind of got going, um, you know, quite suddenly. So they're doing it by age group. So I'm 32. Uh, My only health concern is asthma. So I was kind of towards the very, very tail end. And at this point, basically, you know, kind of almost everybody has been called in for their for their vaccination. And as, as you know, it's a two dose vaccination. So I'm between the first and second doses. So so you've already had a jab. I have already. I I had number one and I'm uh, waiting for number two. Right. And how long more have you got to wait for number two? Three weeks between them. So I have another week to next, this day next week, it'll be the second one.
4: Reading a piece uh, in Bloomberg in the last couple of days, they're saying, look, while the vaccination is going very, very well, it's going to be a very slow return to the economy. Now, I've been in Jerusalem a couple of times. Busy doesn't describe the place. So, how has it been, say, for the last few months?
6: It's been very, very quiet. So, the first, you know, the first lockdown was relatively brief, and then they opened up the, the pubs again, and that was only. Um, I've been in. Out, I've been to a bar two times in the last year, or so. Growing up in Cork, that should hmm. <laughs> that that should tell you how boring it's been. So it's been a very very long lockdown, and at at the moment, what they're doing is if you have this this app, this green passport, um, you can get into. Uh, they're rolling that out next week, actually. So they just started opening up shops uh, and museums, but the the restaurants and the you know those kind of places aren't open yet. But it's going to, it's going to be that's how they're going to do it. You're going to present this. QR code on your phone on a printout. Right. Um but uh, yeah as as to, as to how it's been it's it's been you know inc- just incredibly boring everything's been essentially shut uh, mm. for the past few months.
4: Was Israel the fir- one of the first places actually to go into a second lockdown?
6: Yeah, it was exactly. So it, w- it was very it was very quick in and but the, the, you know this lockdown's been been very protracted and it's only been a couple of weeks since it was they started to to open stuff up again.
4: Yeah. So say you want to go to a shop or you want to go to a cafe, how does this thing work on your phone?
6: So they've just, it, it's chaotic is the only way to describe it. So I was actually only looking at it this morning because it's not until you've had the second vaccine and then you wait a week that you can actually get the code. So I was just checking it out and, um, you know, basically you'll it, it's tied to your system. So the way it works is there's a few different health funds and every citizen has to be in one of these health organizations. Um, so basically, once you do it, you know, you get a credential and then you download an app. And that's the way they want people to do it is to use the smartphone app. But uh, I was reading that they've, you know, they've created a system for if you want to get the literally a piece of paper in the post, you can do that. So there is going to be ways for everybody to get uh, this code if they want it, and then you're going to show that to um, a venue, and the venue is gonna is going to have to use the app as well. So you're going to need to use the app and give that to the venue. So it's all going to be through this. System um, is is how it's going to work
4: So when you're going into somewhere like and you say a venue, say a pub or a concert hall or a theatre or wherever you want to go you will have the the app on your phone they'll have the app on their computers and their app will check your vaccination status and, and in you go, is that it?
6: That's pretty much it. And then, if you know, the people that have had COVID um, are exempt. So there's there's a group of about seventy-seven thousand. I was reading today that have had it. So therefore, they um, they're not getting the vaccines at all. But they'll also be eligible for the for that status in this app. But it's it's all it's all very 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 experimentary. The apps the apps uh, the apps a bit of a disaster. The listing in the app store doesn't even say what it does. So you know, it's basically you can see. And I'm sure it's the same in, in Ireland that, you know, the governments are basically winging this and trying to do the best, w- managing a, a very strange situation. So it, it's it's not as, as um, you know, amazing as maybe comes across in the news. It is very quick on the vaccination front, but all the details is, is kind of in a bit of a state of uh, flux at the moment.
4: Yeah, they, they seem to be. And I suppose we use the term making it up as they go along. But literally, that's what they're doing. They're, they're kind of suck it and see as you go along is that it?
6: Yeah the communication here has been chaotic you read something in the news that this is going to open and then two hours later in Facebook the group's another thing and then an hour later there's a different announcement so that's kind of been the way it's gone it's been very very disorganized mm. uh, all, all over the place basically.
4: Which on the couple of occasions I've been there briefly it's a very technologically advanced country So, so therefore to have this kind of randomness i suppose about it that that must be strange
6: yeah i think it's just the decision making process has been has been it, it, there's kind of politics and that just kind of bleeds down into the you know, there's, there's people arguing about these cabinet meetings going until 2 in the morning and then they leak something and another guy leaks another thing and then just the, what's actually going on between, becomes quite hard to, to figure out. I think we
4: can all identify with that, people leaking stuff and, or someone else leaking something else. So I suppose we take some solace from that, Daniel, that our government aren't the only crowd that, that can't decide who's telling us what and, and when. Is it the politicians are taking the lead or the scientists?
6: Um, that's a tough question. I mean, yeah, it's I'd say it's it's been politically it's there there's been wrangling definitely between the two. so they appointed a coronavirus SAR as, as they say, which I guess just means someone responsible for it. So they they kind of took it back from from the political realm after a while. and now it seems to be they're kind of they've improved that kind of uh, consultation process. So there's there's both elements involved.
4: What's the mood of the people like? I mean, as I'm sure here at, here at home, you, you'll know that people are just about at the end of their tether at this stage. They're looking for something positive to come out from the authorities to kind of reassure them that it will be OK. And to a certain extent, the government is losing the room here. What's it like in Jerusalem these days?
6: Uh, yeah, it it's it, it. That sounds that sounds pretty similar. So it's there's a there's a, a festival, uh, religious festival called Purim, and uh, that's now actually like to as as we're speaking um, here. So that's usually sort of a, a big drinking fest. I mean, the, potentially the closest thing I could compare it to would be Patrick's Day. So uh, like you know, if if you think of the Patrick's Day parade. Being cancelled, people were not very happy about that. So it's kind of the same. Um, that there's a curfew currently, and you have to be within a thousand meters of your house between basically overnight. I don't know the exact times. It's like eight o'clock and half five in the morning. Right. So that's that's. So basically, this this kind of highlight of the year, Jerusalem wouldn't be um, the biggest, you know, drinking city. But there there is a great public parade once a year uh, for this festival, and that's basically gone out the window. So obviously that kind of thing isn't fun. So there, there is a sense of there is light at the end of the tunnel because the vaccines are happening and the campaign's in progress. But, you know, ultimately people, including me, have been basically at home for a year and that kind of uh, gets to people, to say the least. And do you live alone or have you people living with you? Uh, I live with my wife, so it's just the two of us in a, in an apartment. So, mm. so the per- perfect, perfect recipe for, for cabin fever. <laughs> Talk about...
4: Quarantine with regard to to Israel. I mean, entering Israel, you you've got to have your paperwork straight anyway, no matter where you come from, any time of of the year. But what's it been like quarantine wise? Is it mandatory for people for people coming to the country?
6: If you're leaving, so at, at the moment they've basically closed down the the airport and they're just looking at, at opening it up again to flights and even people. There are people abroad that they're, they're putting on these rescue flights to, to bring them in. So uh, the airport's been, there's only one air, airport, essentially. It's a bit, um, there is another one, but it's, you know, Ben Gurion is, is yeah. basically kind of serves the whole country. So yeah, when, when that's closed, there's kind of really no way in and no way out, practically speaking. So and how long has that been closed? Now it's been closed now for for a while. It's you know a few, a, a couple of weeks. So um, yeah, it, it, it's it's uh, it's kind of a strange feeling when you're reading these posts on social media that people are applying for for per emergency permits to leave the country and that kind of thing. It feels it feels like the the Matrix or something. Mm.
4: Like if you wanted to get back to Cork now for some reason, uh, would they let you out, or more importantly, would they let you back in?
6: it could it could be complicated so there's there's uh there is a system for applying for these these kind of passes to get rain but obviously then you need a, a flight to be put on so i think i think it would be hard and then of course there's the the whole thing on the irish side so i haven't been back actually since the since the pandemic kicked off kind of for this well actually mostly because i just didn't want to to risk the the trip there's no direct flight so i didn't think it was worth you know three airplane journeys um each way
4: I'm sure you'll know, Daniel, from growing up in Cork, that there's a a lot of sympathy and there will be a lot of sympathy among my listeners for uh, the Palestinian cause. And there was a rumor going around on various news sites over the last few weeks that Palestinian people weren't being given vaccines, that it was being held back from them. Now, you're there in, in Jerusalem, right in the heart of all of this. What is happening that you can see?
6: So they, I, I was reading today that there are some vaccines going to the Palestinian Authority and to to other governments in the in the neighbourhood. So there, it didn't specify the quantity. I'm not. I I think the basic the basic issue is that the the Palestinian Authority, which is which is called the you know the PA, is sort of its own entity um, within Israel. Obviously, there is the West Bank, and you're really just talking about cities. Um, and the Gaza Strip and they have um under the Oslo Accords, I think are supposed to have sovereignty for their situation and they're they're getting their own supply in. That was that's been my understanding of, of sort of what's going on. So um I'm not sure it, it's 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 so much the case that they're being held back than they are getting it themselves or they're supposed to be getting it themselves, but yeah. they're not they haven't managed to 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 get it in as quickly as as Israel has. I think
4: a lot of people would cross a course from Palestinian territory into Israeli territory every day for work and for other things. Have people who work have Palestinian people who work say they're in Jerusalem in the Israeli side, have they been getting vaccines as part of their work?
6: So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the status of, of East Jerusalem is, is very interesting. So they're sort of permanent residents, um, but many of them would have access to to Israeli healthcare. So they would have been vaccinated. So the, the, the ones that are kind of stuck in a sort of limbo are the Palestinians living in, let's say, Bethlehem and Ramallah? So those are basically full Palestinian cities, yeah. and their government as such is the PA. Um, so their healthcare is provided through them as well. So there is a difference between someone living in Jerusalem and they would have got the vaccine, uh, you know, at the same time as I did, basically, hmm. uh, versus somebody just living, you know, ten kilometres uh, down the road in in Ramallah. So it's 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 a very very strange situation.
4: Coming back to where we started, though, Daniel, before I let you go, I think the message coming very clearly from you is, look, there's a lot of exciting things happening in Israel, but it's not the be all and end all that you might be reading about in the newspaper.
6: I think there's, you know, I don't don't want to promote my my blog on your show, but this is what you've said is a very, it kind of gets to a very interesting dynamic about Israel. So, I I wrote a post post about this, like there's this very, very strange thing that you wouldn't really get unless you live here, this weird, very, very high tech in some respects. But uh, they also use the fax machine like crazy here. Um, One one of the last countries in the world. So yeah, it's in some respects, you know, Israel, I think really exports a lot of its high tech because like Ireland, it's a small country, small market. So it's not always a case that, you know, the, the, and there's, there is definitely a tendency to kind of big up and boast about achievement. So I think they have done a great job in terms of getting the, this whole vaccine drive set up very quickly. And if you think about Israel with its army and all that, they kind of, they have a, a good handle on logistics. Did they
4: use the army to vaccinate? Because I know everybody has to serve at some stage. Did they use the army to, to, to vaccinate people?
6: Not, not to a, a, a large extent, uh, from what I'm aware, it's, it's the health funds and they're using, uh, you know, first aid people and it's, it's doctors and nurses, it's kind of all a bunch of healthcare people and they're, they're not, the vaccine centers are, they're using in Jerusalem a, a big sports center. Um, So it's a bit odd, you go into, you know, a basketball arena and that's where you're getting your, your jab. But, um, the, yeah, so they, they, have, they, have, they have done that well. But, the, you know, on the ground, I would say, you know, there's, I see people posting on Facebook saying, I'm trying to download this app they're talking about. How the hell do I get it from Google? And there's just confusion. So, yeah, it, it's a mixture of it's working well and it's kind of chaos at the same time.
4: So let us know what your blog is so we can keep an eye.
6: Sure. If, if you if you if you check uh, Daniel Roseal on Medium, I think I think I wrote some just some some post about that recently. All right. It's been good to talk to you. Take care. Thanks, PJ. That's
4: Daniel Rosehill from Cork um, in Jerusalem. A nice picture of what's actually happening on the ground over there. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Come back to matters COVID in a while, but there's a strange and a somewhat scary new pastime in the Mayfield area, at least that's where we're getting the reports from. Uh, Councillor Ted Tyne and Ted, good morning. Morning, PJ. This is yeah. a dangerous pastime, what is happening?
7: Oh, unbelievable, um, PJ. The, um, I was down there on Tuesday and they were doing a clean-up on the tarry path again which for the umpteen time yeah. uh, because of the, the dumpy of rubbish and all that, you know, it's a black spot. But the, um, I was told by a person there and... It was confirmed was by the people taking away the rubbish that they came across this gas bottle. It's one of these small, what they call calor gas bottles, you know, you'd <clears> find them in gas heaters in homes, or you'd, like, they're in barbecues, and they're small, kind of, about two or three feet, a millimetre tall. Standard you know? gas
4: bottle, like you'd, like to yeah. say, you put into a barbecue or something.
7: That's yeah. right, yeah. And what... Now where the bottle of gas came from, whether it was stolen or dumped, or was I'm not too sure I don't know that, mm-hmm. but now, from the the remains of the bottle, the cap that's on it, they're kind of clipped down, you know
4: the and rig, yeah you
7: would then flick over a switch, and the gas will come out through that's the fair. hose that's into whatever. but on this gas, there was the the cap was on the on 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 the bottle it was badly burned, and there was a bit of a hose obviously coming over one part of it from the side. But they obviously uh, put the cap on, flicked the switch, the gas then was um hissing out of the bottle, and they, they set fire to that gas p j and it then you know kind of uh the swishing sound you know yeah. and a ball of flame straight up into the up into the sky you yeah. know from
4: because there's always a even if the gas bottle is empty you or feels empty you 're always told bring it back to where you got it because it 's not actually empty it's there's not a residue. Actually
7: empty and in fact sometimes an empty gas bottle like an empty fuel tank is more dangerous it'll explode rather than if it's full it'll just burn you know Mm. and i've experienced that in 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 the years when i worked in rock savage you know where a gas bottle went on fire
4: they were trying i think to make it take off were they
7: (laughs) something like that they were they were they were about um uh probably 10 or 20 to 15 meters back from it and they were and the swishing sound and, the, and the, the flame shooting up into the sky, you know, mm. maybe for a height of uh, a couple of metres, you know, 10 or 20 feet. But they were enjoying it and then it died down and so the fun was off and they walked on then, you know. Yeah. But the I was there then and I think it was Tuesday morning, Monday and Tuesday morning and the people there were cleaning up the, the rubble and they said, yeah, we came across the bottle and there was the the plastic cap that clicks onto it that was half burned away. So obviously they they kinda knew by looking at it that there was um, that it had burned, you know. Yeah, so yeah. Oh it's a crazy pastime PJ. Highly dangerous. You yes. know, it could have taken off as a kind of rocket or it could have exploded and split in two, you know, so no. and they were in the danger zone I would reckon, you know, so Yeah. yeah. It's a crazy pastime P J but over kids hanging around the estates like that and they the devil has worked for idle hands kind of thing, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, however, yeah, yeah. luckily there was nothing serious came out of it, PJ, you know, that uh, it could have been, it could have been a it very, very serious because It could have been very, very
4: serious it, because yeah. anyone who uses these things, there's yeah. a, you're clearly told and there's a label on every bottle when yeah. you get it, br- bring it back to the garage. In fact, anyone who dumped it there in the first place exactly, yeah. causes the yeah. problem. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They're bad enough doing what they're doing. Kids yeah. will be kids yeah. You know that's what that's what happens. Yeah. We're not endorsing it, but that, but yeah. anyone who put a gas bottle into the tarry path like that, yeah. they're the ones that need their need to cop on here.
7: They would want their head examined. Right? Why do they do things like that? I don't know because um, there's a there's a fuel uh, uh, service station Mayfield selling these gas bottles, so they would take back the old ones.
4: They do. They do. You know? they, do. they do. They do.
7: Yeah, and if, if you were finished using the gas altogether rather than dumping it, go up to the service station, which is only across the road, mm. more or less from where the gas bottle was burned, you know.
4: so mm. yeah. well, to any, any service station or anywhere where they stock them, we'll take it back off, you know, we'll questions it asked. It as, like Absolutely. the work money, you see. Like the, the... Well, they'll refill it and sell it to somebody else. So Ted, we'll listen, get, thanks exactly. very much. And whoever whoever did, and how is the situation in the Tarry Path? Are they still dumping like Billy over there?
7: They yeah, are, yeah. No, it's nice and clean now oh, again at the moment. But, um, no, my proposal to build houses along that strip is, uh, I think, is beginning to um, bear some kind of fruit. Okay. And Brian Ganey has taught me that in the the Department about particular funding for the construction of a strip of houses there. Uh, yeah. Like small bungalows, two-bedroomed houses... Yeah. Ba-
4: badly, badly needed. Ted, badly needed. Badly needed. All right, okay. listen. I leave it there. We'll take up that plan if if it comes to fruition. Let us know about it because I know that you're after that for a while, trying to get some houses built along the the tarry path. And uh, Brian Ganey, he mentioned the name. There is one of the senior housing officers in City Hall, so he would be the man who would have to who'd have to give it his his green our rubber stamp, brother. And he seems to have done it. I'll come back to that with Ted. But whoever is dropping, dumping gas bottles in the tarry path or anywhere. For God's sake, need your head examined like he said. 1857159. That is good news about the houses and it's one I promise we'll come back to. Uh, I didn't want to cut Ted off too fast there, but uh, it's for another day. But he's been pushing that for a while, that some little houses will be built up along the tarry path. And if he's got Brian Ganey on side, then he's made huge progress. We have discussed uh, in recent months, and I think particularly throughout the pandemic, the disturbing amount of sexual abuse and sexual assault of people on our streets, homeless people. Uh, and there is a lot of concern for it. Uh, Mary Crilly of the Sexual Violence Centre has been on before, as too has Katrina Toomey from Cork Penny Dinners, um, who's come across some horrendous stories in her, in her work. Uh, and there's there's a, there's an effort underway to give people some solace and some assistance. Katrina, isn't there? Good morning.
8: There is. Good morning, PJ. There is, and um, we did have our meeting with Michael Martin, and that really went very, very well. And um, I suppose no, we're just moving it a step further so that we can be closer to to opening this place for people and I suppose PJ what it is is sexual assault and sexual violence on the streets has been there a long time but during the pandemic that, that, that's just kind of it's more prevalent I suppose would be the word that you'd use yeah. but it, it's it's not it's not like, everybody on the street is not a perpetrator. Like, we have to be very clear here. It's just a small few people that are doing this, but they're doing it, and there's violence with it as well. Yeah. We see women with black guys. We see women with busted noses, busted lips, the whole lot. And we see things like that. And um, we know it happens, you know, indoors and other places as well, but on the street, what happens is, if it happens to a woman or a man or a young girl or a young boy, when they they come out after being seen over in the South Infirmary, which is after them really, really well, you Mm -hmm. know, it's a great service, absolutely very good. But they're back out on the street again. Yeah. They're not safe. And they know that the next time it's probably better to submit, you know, rather than, um, you know, put up a fight because they'll be beaten as well as raped, you know, and stuff. So I suppose it's a catch-22 for them. So we feel that life is tough enough for them being homeless, and we feel that if it's, because it, it can go on, a person could be raped twice in one eight, like, you know, and yeah. a person could be raped by multiple kind of people, and um, so we, we just hope, like that, um, and what we're trying to do, now, there's also Lavinia Kerwick who's very good, ah, with yes. us. Like, you know, and the, like the three of us are very strong, we know what we're on about PJ, we simply yeah. do and we know that when the people come out of the Sultan family we have to have a place for them where they can go in and curl up like anybody else. But that they're safe, they're protected and that they can have their cry, they can have their, you you know, whatever they need. But we will have people on site, like, what will happen medically will happen at the South Infirmary. What will happen kind of, as regards counselling and therapy and stuff like that, will happen at the Cork Sexual Violence Centre with yeah. Mary Crilly. And like she'll get nobody more expert than what she no. is. Like,
9: it's a, a
4: refuge animal. that they need, somewhere yes. to go and lay so. their head in safety.
8: Exactly. And what we're hoping then as well is that we, we can kind of keep people for a while and we can build them up, I suppose.
4: And how and advanced yeah. is the plan now that you've had a chat with the Taoiseach? He's on site, I take it.
8: He is, yeah, he was he was great. There was I mean there's no point in me saying anything else. Like he was very good at it and he has been very good like to to yeah. you know, to to sexual assaults, you know. Yeah.
4: So, so where are we in terms stuff. of having having well, so you
8: know, Hopefully we're looking for a place and um I think Bihal is going to help us there and um we're gonna look for a place and we're gonna sit down with some other organizations and you know, roll out what our plan on how to run this is going to be, we believe, a house mother or a house father, and to keep it emotionally um, high up there um, so that people, when they go in there, that they're minded both physically and emotionally. Do you know what I mean? They're not going to be hurt by anybody.
4: Mm. A place of uh, safety.
8: Yeah, a place of safety. And we're hoping then that we'll be able to, you know, guide them back into, you know, their own apartment, build them up, give them back their 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 self confidence you know or whatever because you know imagine like their self confidence is already battered from being homeless and from being trying to survive because it is it is a game of survival for all of them and they get battered and they get disillusioned yeah. and they can kind of go off the rail and then they try to come back on the rail again so like it's it's not a very easy way of life at all for a lot of people.
4: It's a hard, tough... It's an ordeal. It's a horrendous ordeal. ordeal. Katrina, this is one we will stay across and we will watch the development of this with great interest because with yourself and Mary involved and the great, wonderful, legendary Lavinia Kerwick, it's going to be something very special for people. Uh, who faced this dreadful ordeal on the streets. We were hoping to talk to Mary, but as usual, Mary's an extraordinarily uh, busy person. We'll talk to her uh, in the coming days about where, where we are with this. But she is on board at the Sexual Violence center We'll be giving all of the help and the counselling and the support that people need. As Katrina said, the the South Infirmary, look after them medically. And they just want a place of safety where they can go and not run the fear or the risk of it happening again in a few hours or in another couple of days. 185715996 We're looking for your thank you messages this morning. Someone who just made your day, your week, your month, your entire year. Be it a simple thing, be it something they did for you when they went way out of their way to do it or just someone who said hello and smiled at you. It could be as simple as that. We're doing it to Mark Graham Clifford's virtual national thank you day which happens Sunday. More on that later, but I would like your messages about who you'd like to thank at uh, 083 396
3: 96, 96 The Opinion Line
4: with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM Eighteen fifty-seven one five nine nine six is the number to call the text to WhatsApp, 83 396 Of course, in particular, we want your messages on the text to WhatsApp today for people to whom you are grateful for the simplest thing or the biggest thing, something that just somebody went out of their way to do for you. Philip Nolan, who I spoke to during the week on the program about his lockdown cooking Exploits. He put up a lovely tweet last night. He has Polish neighbours. They're his nearest neighbours. And there was a knock on his door yesterday evening and he went out to open the door and there was two lovely cold cans of Polish lager on the doorstep for him to have with his dinner. That kind of kindness we're talking about. Little things that fill you full of joy that you'd like to thank people for. Um, We're doing... uh, We'll be talking to Graham Clifford later on about National Thank You Day on Sunday. Um, but I want to warm up with your little stories. We've had a couple. I'd like to thank Mary and all the staff at Formoy Library. They've been delivering boxes of books to their members to keep us reading during lockdown. Their thoughtfulness and kindness is very much appreciated. If you've missed anything in the first hour of the programme this morning, remember you can get your podcast in the afternoon. It goes up usually in the early afternoon. we we'll put the link on Twitter and then it goes to all your various platforms, including the Corks 96FM app. And you can listen to it wherever you want, whenever you like, anywhere in the world. And it's a freebie. And if you're trying to contact us after... Hearing us on podcast, the best thing for you to do is use the email opinion at 96fm.ie. There's a story of a swimming rescue uh, in West Cork. Uh, A person had a really lucky escape. Uh, She was swimming at at a place called Dunwarley Beach. Now, I don't know where it is, but Eamon Barry can tell us where it is. Eamon, good morning. Hi, PJ. Where is Dunwarley Beach?
10: So Donorly Beach is just this kind of, it's most about three miles outside of Timber league there, um, in Don um, Barry Road, there.
4: Okay, okay. And what happened to this woman?
10: Yeah, so look, she lucky escape. Um, I suppose some bystanders. She was swimming in Donorly. I suppose Donorly can be a bit, a bit treacherous at, at times, you know, um, especially conditions like yesterday. Um, so the lady went in for a swim and she got into difficulty. Um, and some some bystanders then heard her her cries for help.
4: Basically and called called emergency services. She got caught into a sinkhole of some kind, did she?
10: Yeah, there was kind of a little, a little inlet there, it's kind of a little cave and a sinkhole there. Um, so yeah, she it was actually very close to the slipway where she would have been entering and exiting the water.
4: Yes, But she she got pushed in there by the by the tide. Yeah, yeah, which can happen, of course, particularly at this this time of year. Um, now, what happened? The, the lifeboat was launched, I think.
10: Yeah, so once once the once the bystanders rang nine 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 or one one two, um basically Valencia tasked ourselves, which is the old head seven heads Coast Guard unit. They tasked uh, rescue one one five from Shannon, Cormac Sherry lifeboat, um, National Land Service were called and Guardia were called also.
4: But how long did it take to get to her and get her out?
10: I suppose the whole operation was was well over an hour and a half. The tour was like um, I was up there. I suppose within kind of three or four minutes of the initial call, mm. and uh, we assessed the situation from there and. Um, I suppose once our team members started arrived and I entered the water to her to assess her condition I suppose okay. medically and you, sure you first to
4: get to her Eamon were you?
10: Yes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah. yeah. So what yeah. how how did you go about that?
10: Yeah, so look I suppose initially we done a I done a quick risk risk, risk assessment on it first and uh, just to see where we were and what was the best way to approach it. Um we had some more unit members, some old Ted Seven had arrived in and I suppose I um I kind of had, had a jewel hat on yesterday. I'm with the West Cork Underwater Search and Rescue also. I'm a okay. rescue diver with them. And um, so I entered the water to, to reach the lady in the cave. Right. And uh, from there we assessed her basically. And assessed to, I suppose the to, to safest bit of a extraction then. Yeah. Of how, how was she when you got to her? She was cold. She was she was, she was was medically okay, as in no, no injuries or anything. But she was getting cold at that stage, I suppose. By the time I got into her, she was... She was in there for about forty-five minutes, I suppose.
4: Yeah, I'd say she was um, so kind of frightened. Was she relieved to yeah. see you? I imagine.
10: Yeah, look, and that's the reason why. I suppose one of the main reasons why I entered the cave is because she needed reassurance at that stage that everything was going to be okay. Yeah.
4: Um, so that's why we made a decision to to enter the cave. And how so. difficult is it to get in then to her to get her out?
10: Look, I suppose there's always a risk, so getting in there and getting her out that, that same method was probably the one we didn't go with. We waited for the training team to come from the old head. I see. Um, we didn't really want to risk. There was a fair swell coming in there, so we I didn't. See. it wasn't an option really to take her out the way that I went then.
4: Right, so um, they were there, what happened? Did they climb down then?
10: Yeah, so basically, um, again, Mike Murray, the, the officer in charge, would have set up, a, again, assessed it, I suppose, and set up the safest, safest method of extraction. Um, so they set up a full, full climbing rig and uh, extract her from the top of the from that mm-hmm. sinkhole, really, so
4: While all the time you took care of her below and reassured that everything would be okay.
10: Yeah, look, there was a yeah, there was a bit of reassurance there needed at that stage, and that's all I'm she sure. needed, really.
4: I'm sure, I'm sure. So she's yeah. okay. She got out, and she's assessed, and she's all right. Yeah, absolutely. She's 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 she wasn't taken away by ambulance, as far as I'm aware. So she was always okay. Yeah.
10: All right. Listen. Well
4: done to you and to the team, because it's people like you that that go in where the rest of us would run out of. Uh, Eamon, thank you very much. Look, for- I,
10: and I, I suppose there's the lessons to be learned. I suppose it's important for yes. us to say it. I, you know, we won't be judgmental. Or Simply learn lessons from this, I suppose. You know, not tinter the water in them kind of conditions. There's yeah. plenty of safe beaches in our area, and yeah. um, carry a safe fog. And you must really have to. There's loads of people see something at the moment, mm. um, since the pandemic, like it it's taken yeah. it off. Yeah, but look, you really have to have somebody on the shoreline watching what you're doing in these kind of conditions. Yeah. Um, you know, and you have to be comfortable getting into the water. Yeah, nobody goes in there. Look for something like that yesterday, and would that expect that? Yeah. We have to, you know, we really have to watch what we're doing.
4: And, and even in even in high summer, when cowards like me venture into the sea, you still are advised, are you not, never swim alone? Absolutely. Like, we'd always recommend somebody at least on the shore, you know, ready to
10: call if needed. And as I say, like the likes of Dunworthy, then beaches can be treacherous even in the summertime, you know. You've got yes, currents, yes. You've, got, you've got a swell coming in against rocks there, uh, you know, so it can be dangerous any time of the year. Like okay. swim by, carry a swim buoy, carry a swim buoy, which uh, at least you can. That'll let you rest on that swim buoy if you need to. That's, That's the red, red little thing, little is it? Little bits of equipment. Yes, exactly. Right. You tow you it behind you,
4: basically. I see. I see. All yeah. right. Okay. Right. Amen. Listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for for your service and the service of the other volunteers, the RNLI and the divers and, and the climbers and the coast guard and everybody who came out yesterday to rescue that woman from the sinkhole in Dunworley Beach. Great work. Great work. And fabulous that we have these kind of people. will come to our aid but the advice is and if you are sea swimming a lot of people are (laughs) no 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 maybe the end of May maybe the end of May I do plan to swim in the sea a bit more this summer I won't be going foreign to swim in the Mediterranean but I do plan to swim in the sea this summer a bit more once we can go there out of our 5k but you won't catch me in the water and (laughs) fountain stone till sometime in May I may tell you that now for nothing 1850-715-996 Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Also catching up later with the RNLI in Kinsale. I get they've had something really lovely has happened for them, and they've had a collection taken up by people. You'd never guess where, you'd never guess who. I'll tell you about that a bit later on. Also this morning, are you watching this?
0: Pinch myself and say I am awake. I'm Louise. Your secretary. It's
3: nice to meet you.
0: I work for your husband. You work with David. Small world. They're both happier with me than they are with each other. Is it happening again, David?
3: What are you talking about?
0: You know what I mean. You do know what's going on
3: here. We're just as messed up as anyone else. Just better at hiding
4: it. It's one of the biggest things on Netflix at the moment called Behind Her Eyes. It's a six-parter. I've seen three I don't want to know the twist, but apparently there's a phenomenal twist at the end of it. And it stars one of my favourite actors, Evie Houston, who is Bono's daughter. Um, she's brilliant, brilliant actor. Uh, she first appeared, actually, in a great television show. And you'll find it, you will find it if you go looking for it. Uh, the Nick, uh, about a, a hospital way, way back in the old days in New York. And she was in that as a nurse and she was fantastic. And I've kind of followed her work ever since but she's in behind her eyes weird doesn't even go there but you know one of these things that is so weird you cannot stop watching it's com- you just cannot take your flipping eyes off it 185715996 that's later we'll be talking to melissa carton from her.ie about behind her eyes some breaking news that van has been found Uh, Fiona has just been on to us we'll catch up with her again before the end of the programme but that red Toyota Corolla van which Gardy were looking for in connection to the deaths of two men in Mitchellstown, two brothers we believe in their 60s uh, unofficially it's a murder investigation we expect it to be declared a murder investigation once the uh, pathologist has done PMs and stuff like that but the van has been located Thank you for that, Fiona. We'll catch up with it before the end of the program.
3: The Opinion Line on Quartz 96 FM. With Lehan
0: Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie.
3: This is Quartz, gold IMRO award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call
0: us now, 1850
3: 715 996. On Quartz 96 FM.
4: I just noticed there uh, a follow up to some of our conversations on the program yesterday when I spoke to Susan Ryan, who is thinking very seriously of opening her business, open and be damned, because of the length of the lockdown and the difficulty with coping with it. And she, look, she's one of lots of business people. And I was kind of saying to her, look, for God's sake, don't go and do that. Everyone is saying, don't do that. Just, just hold firm and we'll be all right. And she was explaining why she's sick of holding firm. We had a good conversation on the show uh, yesterday. Ashling on our Twitter at OpinionLine96 says, we have the longest lockdown because the public haven't been doing it properly. And the government should have made quarantine mandatory for everyone. And there should be no extra flights coming in. Getting a dye job, i.e. a hair dye job, is not essential. If she worried about bills, go get another job while her business is closed. Which is an interesting response. Thank you for that. 1850-715-996. Our churches are in trouble. Also, uh, the Catholic Bishop of Cork and Ross, uh, Dr. Finting Gavin, um, is is discussing with parish finance committees about how parish finances can be sustained because a church is an expensive place to keep ticking over James it worries you doesn't it And not on a religious front good morning
11: oh, good morning PJ yeah well yeah there was a post came up on the boys and girls in Oka there, um, during the week about um, the, the the churches in the north side they're looking for um, funding yeah and uh, to be honest with you I was kind of going away with the comments like like I knew I'd expect a few bad comments on the on the thread, but more or less everybody was kind of saying no way like go to Rome and get the money just and that you know Yeah. But like, they forget that the, the church, really, in the community, is more of a social outlet for the, the elder community uh, members in the community. You know, it's like a social outing for them on a Sunday. I know they're closed at the moment, but um, like it's, it's they're definitely needed. You know, so they definitely should get some kind of a help.
4: You know, because mm, things like church gate collections and that, it, it, it's those that keep the church going.
11: Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, sure, even the church in St. Mary's on the hill there at the moment, it was vandalised there a few months ago, and we did a GoFundMe, and we got a few bob for it, you know? Mm. And uh, for the Greg above, I, I handed a GoFundMe off to him the other day, and, you know, it was only a few bob, but, you know, he was just so thankful he couldn't believe it, you know? Yeah. That's when I kind of realised things must be very bad. Yeah, because... You know, he's like, really, thank you, and, you know, and I was like, it's no big deal, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I said, I didn't give you the money, it was a community.
4: Yeah, yeah, because the know? churches are often connected to a community centre, they're connected mm-hmm. to a meeting space... And they're not just yeah. a place to pray, they're a place a place to meet. And, and you would hope, wouldn't you, whatever your faith or none, that the churches would would reopen after this.
11: Oh, absolutely. Of course. Yeah. Like I said, again, I'm not very religious, so, you know, I mean, I go to Mass once a year. Like, I'm not proud to say it, but I do, you know, Christmas Day. Or, yeah. Or, but at the same time, like, I mean, there was one comment that popped up on the page, actually, that stuck in my head about, um, he says, well, what do people want? What would people be happy to see another symbol over the church? You know, and <laughs> which kind of you know, if they're going to close
4: down, somebody else is going to go in there, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I suppose, to be fair, James, you know, people will say, well, the Vatican, the, the Catholic Church, yeah. is, is one of the wealthiest organizations on the planet. Yeah. And, and and rather than people who are trying to feed kids and look after themselves and have lost their jobs and all of that, that maybe Rome could throw an elf you, Bob the yeah, way sure, of the church
11: absolutely. yeah of course absolutely not like they're
4: short of it like
11: well absolutely no well, I, I, I did a bit of research on it there a while back and there, you know, have a few companies and what, what not behind them but uh, like it's not even a but they should 100% they should but uh, but, but why Why are the, the then again they won't are... so we might as well look maybe after them maybe they won't yeah. that's what I'm trying to say yeah. maybe they just won't You know. Maybe we all know who like should that.
4: help but when they won't help then maybe the rest of us could
11: yeah exactly like, I mean, I, there was one thing there. We were filming the, the, the movie Choices. We were up in the Church of Ascension. Yeah. and uh, Lovely church. Yeah, during the break, I was excited I made my communion confirmation in there and, you know, and my father's funeral was there as well. So I kind of went in to have a look around and I was shocked to see that the church itself was closed off and they were using the crying room as the main church.
4: The crying room where they take the young babies. Yeah,
11: yeah. yeah I couldn't believe it. That, that was the, that, that's the audience. That's, that's the the attendees they had on the Sunday. <laughs> that's the space. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> and like, I can remember being a kid, and being black, and people standing outside the door, you know? So that, yeah. that's how far it's after dwindled. And I suppose everything that, that's after coming... By, well, I after suppose after one, of Thursday, of so, for, yeah, one of the
4: reasons... Yeah, one of the that, reasons that attendance has dwindled, Let, let's face it, James, and, you know, we, what we know now about what was going on 30, 40, 50 years ago. That has turned a lot of people away, not from their faith, but from, from the actual church.
11: church. Yeah, absolutely. And you can't argue with that point, to be fair, you know? Yeah. And, you know, with the, with the, baby, the baby homes and Resboro and all these places, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. People are angry. and But at the same point, I mean, like, uh, look, it's a catch-20, isn't it? It's really the old people that I'd be thinking of. Like my own mother, no, for instance, like she loved going to mass. Yeah. She's, like, on Friday, she's gearing up to go meet her friends yeah inside
4: the church you know yeah do you know the other thing about it too, james and and you know as well as i do being being, being so it's the activist that you are like if it were announced tomorrow that that lovely church in gran or one of the church the church up there by by um oh, right up at the top of of Aaron Reed, that church up there yeah. Yeah. You know, if if it were announced in the morning that that any one of them would not reopen after the pandemic because because the parish was broke There'd yeah. be uproar about Absolutely. it. Of so it you know, <laughs> if you're going to be saying, "Well, it's, it's, we,"
11: it's it's a case you don't know what you have till it's gone. You know, I think that's, that that applies to this one. You know, yeah. people yeah. won't realise until it it's
4: gone. Yeah,
11: you know.
4: Yeah. All right, James. You know? Thank you very much. Good no man problem. for uh, James Neway from the Boys and Girls of Naka. Um, the churches are in financial trouble, and yes, yes, the Catholic Church is worth billions, as they say, billions and billions and billions. But you can't expect Rome to to write checks. It's not going to happen. So if you're asked to support your local church and keep it open, and if you can spare a euro or two, why not? Why not? Indeed, you may not need it. You may not never want to darken the door of the place. But but somebody will. And it might be your relative or friend or auntie or uncle or mum or dad. So, no. Thank you, James. Eighteen fifty-seven-one-five. Uh, 996. Andrew, on the question of thanking people, uh, and who do you want to say thank you to this Friday? Thank you, Andrew. He'd just like to thank myself and Fergal and all the team for the coverage of his fundraisers for Adele House and helping the homeless uh, finish up with the final online 80s gig very, very soon. Thank you for that. Um, We've got more. We've got more. Uh, Catherine Mahan Buckley. Uh, she has been a rock to me since my mum passed. Thank you, Catherine. Uh, Catherine Mahan buckley is a rock anyway. But yeah, that's great. Uh, Avril, I'd love to say a big thank you to Cork Dog Action Welfare Group. We were so lucky to adopt our puppy, Ringo, from them last April. He brightens up our days and guarantees a good belly laugh every day. Thank you so much, Cork Dog, for saving this amazing little soul. Ah yes. Yes, Avril, you got the pleasure of a doggie in your life at just the right time. A uh, few more of them. Keep them coming on 083 396 9696.
1: Botox cosmetic, auto botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox cosmetic is right for you.
2: For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300.
1: Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.
4: We have talked a lot on the program about mental health. And we know that some people are suffering dreadfully, and that's one section. But we also know that some people are just, a lot of people are just a little bit flat. There's nothing actually really wrong with them. They're just a little bit flat. And they could use someone to talk to, someone to reach out to, just to get them through the flat days, just to get them through the days when they're losing a bit of patience. With all of this, and one such wonderful organisation that does that with teenagers in particular is Jigsaw. Uh, I had the pleasure of working an event for Jigsaw a year or two ago. They have a big tie-in with, with Lidl, and I, I worked an event for them. And I met some of their directors and some of their key people. Wonderful organisation, and, and they do incredible work. Uh, they support generally people between twelve and twenty-five. And um, their service manager for Jigsaw in Cork is Catherine Morley. Good morning, Catherine. Hi, how are you? Um, very well, thank you. I, I, I was trying to capture that, that this is this is about kids who are just, just a little bit off at the moment, and God knows it's hard to blame them.
12: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, in Jigsaw, and you're right, I was just listening to you there, you're dead right. In Jigsaw, no problem, no issue that a young person is facing is too small. Yeah. So... Uh, our, our aim is to get in early with young people, support them through those initial stages of what uh, you know of 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 anxiety or low mood or things like that, and hopefully that doesn't then grow into something yeah. that is much more embedded and much more difficult. Could to you maybe with. get a
4: tiny bit closer to your phone if you wouldn't mind? Oh
12: can yeah, can I- you hear me?
4: That's much better. That's much better. There was an ad. A lead lad, actually, the the, the tie in between the two of you, and I loved it. It was the the young lad pushing the trolley around the store, mm. and somebody with him going, uh, "Are you okay?" And he goes, "Oh, I'm grand." And "Are you really okay?" And you can see from the camera that he then starts to have a conversation with her. Yes. And that's 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 kind of what you do. How are young people getting through this?
12: Well, I mean. No one wants to generalise. But what we're hearing from young people are very similar things that we were hearing from them before COVID. I mean, young people like the rest of us, they're not a different species, PJ. Mm. (laughs) Uh, What's more, we all
4: wear them one time, so we know what it's like to be that age. Yeah,
12: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And what they're experiencing are similar things. Anxiety, low mood, changes to their sleep, stress. And of course, that's confounded by the experience they're having over the past year, like the rest
4: of us. Yeah. I mean, I can think of 16, 17 year olds looking out on this glorious Sunday mor- sun- sunny morning and the arrival of spring over the weekend and the weather forecast. They want to get out, they want to be with their mates, they want to do stuff. And, 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 and it bothers them that they can't do stuff, and that might seem like a small thing, but when you're sixteen, stuff is important
12: absolutely, and that connection i mean what we're what we hear is you know young people are maintaining contact with each other, they're much better at it than we are actually yeah. Yeah, they are. <laughs> um, but they do meet. i mean they're they're you know they're friends, they're hanging out. Yeah. Not even anything organised, just that idea that they can hang out with their friends. Um, and that that has to be a huge challenge when you're that age. Just imagine yourself not being able to, as mm. you say, go out the door and meet your buddies.
4: Yeah, yeah. To talk about nothing.
12: Absolutely. And nothing that's very important. Yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> so, so what kind of things have you been doing with them? Over, I mean, obviously the pandemic has made it hard for Jigsaw as well.
12: Absolutely, absolutely. But I think, um, so, so obviously last year was a, was a year of learning for us. We learned how to do loads of things that we hadn't done before. So we, um, really are seeing a huge amount of, uh, new traffic to our online services and that has really developed. So I really want to say that to your listeners, uh, jigsaw.ie. I mean we have we have resources there for parents for teachers for young people themselves a lot of it created by young people but if you like um audited by our clinicians um so our clinicians have a lot of tips and uh you know advice to give to both young people and their one good adult
4: yeah the one good adult that's a very big concept for Jigsaw talk about it that is. for a few minutes
12: well, I mean, what we've found from our research is that if a young person has someone that they consider to be their one good adult, they fare better. They fare better. Yeah. And that, that one good adult could be uh, their teacher, their coach, their uncle, their auntie, their cousin who's a bit older, and um, anybody really that they feel that they can spend time with, talk to, or listen to. Mm. And for many young people um, experiencing, or for many uh, people our age experiencing um, significant mental health difficulties, they speak of the lack of that when they were younger. So they say things like, "If I had I had somebody to talk to, I don't know if I would be in the same place." So that one good adult thing is something we really focus on in our work in communities. It's like building people's confidence to be that. We are that anyway. Yeah. I have a fifteen-year-old myself, and I'm not the person he necessarily comes to every time he has an issue. Yeah. So those those relationships with adults are really important. Um, they may not look like they are, but they actually are to young people. So most of our work in communities is around that. It's around supporting people to build that sort of infrastructure around young people.
4: And how can you show to a young person that you're there and that you won't judge and you won't sniff down your nose at them? How can you show them? Because that's their fear. Their fear is they'll be judged and told cut themselves on?
12: Well, um, it, do you know what? It's not rocket science. <laughs> mm. And we do it all the time. Uh, and, and most adults, most parents, most teachers are trying to do it. Sometimes you don't get it right. But it's basically just being present for a young person, listening to them, acknowledging. I mean, it might seem like something tiny to us, but it could be huge to them. Yeah. So acknowledging that, hearing that, we don't need to be telling them what to do or giving them advice. A lot of the time it's just supporting them to understand that they can manage whatever it is that's
4: going on. Mm. They want to share what's on their mind. They're not looking for answers.
12: Absolutely. Um, and you know what? One of the one of the joys of working in Jigsaw, PJ, and working with people is uh, we consistently say no one is the expert on everything. Mm. We all have a little bit to give. And if we can work together at all, we should be able to come up with something that would be supportive of young people. So we're working in schools, for example, around Cork. We've nine one-good schools, big mm-hmm. shout out to them. Um, and they are working so hard, at, along with all the other schools in Cork. There's over 90 schools in Cork, 90 secondary schools. Um, but they are working so hard. The teachers, the leadership teams, the young the young people themselves, the um, the parents, um, and our one good school program is really about that. It's about that building that community. Mm. How, does that, we under- how does that work? Well, basically, what we do is we provide opportunities for young people, for teachers, for for parents to participate in um, our uh, a series of workshops and interventions that we would put in place. And a lot of those are copper fastening things they already know. Mm. But it's I suppose building the school's confidence to say, you know, we we are interested in mental health and we want to support your mental health. And a lot of the work we do with young people is around it's okay to talk. You mm-hmm. need to talk to somebody. If something is happening for you, talk to talk to your one good adult. They mm. know who they are.
4: That's an interesting point. They they, they will instinctively recognise the adult they can talk to, will they?
12: Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's one of the. We also have one good coach, for example, is another one of our programs, and that we get great support from sports clubs around that. And often it's the often it's the soccer coach or the GAA coach that the the young lad or the young woman looks up to, and you know they they respect them because they're with them on some journey, you know. Um, yeah. So it's really interesting. Uh, there's nothing special about, about being one good adult. We, we we can all be it.
4: Yeah. The things that are bothering them, um, again, I suppose when you are able to talk to a teenager and, and they come forward with the stuff that's on their mind, there might be someone in their early 20s, they come forward with the stuff that's on their mind, you begin to realise, actually, they're worried about the same things we are.
12: Yeah, and just through the lens of their lives. Yeah. Um, everybody has mental health, you say? It's like mm. dental health. We all look after our So we all need to look after our... Um, like like what's health. troubling
4: them about the pandemic?
12: Well, what we're hearing is, um, I really want to say how resilient young people are you know, young people are amazing you know, they have this capacity to deal with stuff, their lives are very different to ours were um, but a lot of the young people were meeting in Cork and all over the country because we'd like to think they are but they're not different <laughs> mm. um, uh, you know, they're worried about granny they're worried about your phone their is
4: fading a little bit on me there
12: oh sorry, can you hear me there?
4: that's a bit better, Yeah.
12: yeah so they're worried about granny you know, they're worried about granddad, they're worried about a family member who might be compromised in some way during the pandemic, and they're wanting to do the right thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that that, that can create anxiety, um, and so long as they get some support around that, you know, they, they, they can usually manage it.
4: And what seems to be very important, too, is do not, Catherine, dismiss The things that they have missed in their lives.
12: Absolutely. I know, absolutely. And I mean, those, I was talking to someone the other day, uh, to a mom, and, you know, she was saying, you know, everyone in the house missed the grad. We missed it. We might think it's just a night out for the kids, but it's a rite of passage. Yeah. Um, And those rites of passage, in terms of, you know, that's somewhere before summer after you do your leaving cert, the summer after you do your junior surf, when you do your junior surf, and my job when you do your junior surf. All of that has been missing for young yeah. people. And all those connections they make in those places. Yeah. So, you know, we can't underestimate that. This is all missed things, but they're missing a very particular, uh, a very particular time. Yeah. And you do need to be aware of that. On the other hand, they're really engaged with, creating other ways of doing the things that they would normally
4: do. They can teach us an awful lot about what to do, what we would normally be doing. I'm going to leave it there, Catherine because the, the, the line is starting to fade on us, but thank you. Uh, Catherine Morley is the service manager for Jigsaw in Cork um, and food for thought just be that one good adult, be that one person that the teenager in your life or the young person in their early 20s in, in your life can come to and don't judge them. They're actually worried about the same things you are, but in a different way. Uh, could you please ask Catherine, how do you get in touch? Well, they have a free phone, which is 1-800-544-729. 1-800-544-729. It's a great resource. And also jigsaw.ie www.jigsaw dot i e and all of their services and what they provide and how you get involved with them is all on the website but a wonderful wonderful organization as i say i had the the, the rare privilege at an event a couple of years ago to, to sit with them and meet the people that they work with in Lidl and meet the people that they just just the people that they work with an incredible partnership and uh, lovely 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 people and just super work because it's not always about huge problems it's about little things getting on top of getting on top of you. That number again, 1-80-544-729.
3: The opinion line on Corks 96 FM.
0: With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota Hybrids, the place to order your 211 Toyota. See Lehan
3: This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call
0: us now, 1850-715-996. On
3: Quartz 96 FM.
4: As we head into another weekend of living within our 5K and with the weather poised to improve, we would love to head out for a spin. But we can't. We can only go... 5k, and it's getting a bit annoying, and people are getting tired of it. And they're looking and they're saying, Why would I stick to the rules when others aren't? And when people can fly in from all over the world unfettered is one of the things that's really on their mind. It came up during the week at the uh, Fine Gael Parliamentary Party meeting that people were almost at the end of their tether with. Uh, checkpoints and restrictions and the man who brought it up was uh, Senator Tim Lombard. Tim, good morning. Good morning, Peter. We have to stick with the rules. It's for our safety, it's for our health, but it ain't easy and you wanted to raise it with your parliamentary colleagues.
13: Yeah, look, I think, obviously we're going through a traumatic traumatic 12 months, so a shadow of a doubt and I think, you know, people are beginning to lose patience with the entire project and I think that's becoming very, very obvious and I, I feel that every day with all the phone calls I get and people are frustrated you're dead right people want to get out they want to actually maybe see some place different that's not within the 5k location and uh, one of the issues that I've come across in the last maybe 10 or 12 days in particular has been the, the Guards corner. I think the Guards have done a really tremendous job over the last 12 months but I think they're getting the brunt of it and I think they're unfortunately getting it at checkpoints they're getting it at every opportunity and I think these people, men and women, are out there doing their best. Bad weather, in particular, in the last few weeks, and I think they have really got to the front of it. And like, there is a huge issue out there of how we actually can, you know, hold form, in particularly for these next few weeks. Mm. And one of the issues that I raised, obviously, was Garrity corner and how they were being treated in the checkpoints. But our form of communication hasn't worked in the last six months. In the last six or seven weeks. This traditional kind of grand um, address to the nation, um, nobody listens to them anymore. Like when we had them twelve months ago, the entire country popped up and listened to six whole news, and we, you know, we listened to what was happening. Mm. We've had so many of them over the last twelve months. I don't think they had the same effect. So what? Now, what
4: needs to happen then?
13: The level of communication that we that we need to get out there has to change. I think grand statements to the nation won't work anymore. It has to be small, precise piece of information. Social media has to play partners. And we all need ambassadors. Mm. We don't need to South Terrible though. We don't need politicians telling us what to do. We need ambassadors from society telling Are us what to influencers do.
4: influencers
13: like? Totally. And whether you're a rugby star or j J-star or whatever sport, it's not even sport. We need to have those ambassadors come on board to get the message across in particularly for the next six weeks because there is light coming we know the vaccine rollout as slow as it is, the large numbers coming particularly in march april and may and i think it's about maybe just holding firm for these few weeks yeah. because if we do we can do an awful lot
4: see what isn't helping tim um and in all sincerity i agree with every word you say with regard to people losing their patients well, what isn't helping is the vote yesterday, and I know you'll have to do it in the, in, the, in the Shannon as well, the vote in the doll yesterday to bring in a half-baked, half-arsed quarantine system. That's where people are losing patience.
13: And the quarantine system and the 20-plus country, if that's in the quarantine system is a real topic of conversation. And as much as people losing patience... I think travel's down 98%, like I was talking to Cork Airport about maybe two weeks ago, like Cork Airport's like a desert, was yeah. happening up there. But like the big issue to me is it's the, it's the messaging. Like we haven't got that message across that, okay, the variance is fierce and We need to keep out in certain countries that have that variance whether or not we have a complete travel ban and we ban everyone coming in and everyone coming in, going into New Zealand style, goes into a three-week or two-week
4: kind of, kind of incubation many, period. Many, many countries, as New Zealand, Australia, Thailand, Vietnam, many, many parts of the world have it now. And the, one, but, the warning that comes from those countries is do it right. And we had a, a long conversation here with an epidemiologist uh, earlier in the week but, from Melbourne who told us how they got it wrong and his advice was... Everybody must quarantine.
13: But the problem we have is is this all earned approach, and that's the biggest issue. If we but is it have... Tim?
4: Because here's the thing, right? We we, we, we accept the border is an issue. Okay. We'd we'd like to close it, but we can't. But at the same time, we could impose full quarantine to Cork, Dublin, and Shannon. We don't need to talk about the border. If everybody coming into Dublin had to art to Cork, or to Shannon, had to go in. For a, to a hotel for two weeks. You would be at least saying to people, well, actually, we're listening to what you want, rather than this list of countries that we might or might not change.
13: And I think the countries could change or couldn't, but the border issue, and if you look at particularly Northern Ireland and where we were before Christmas... The border countries were the ones are majorly affected with the actual rise of COVID, of the COVID numbers because that's where the infection was based.
4: But are you saying and that the only reason we can't? No, we- I'm
13: saying it's one of the key issues that we have cross border travel on a continuous. Oh, I know we understand that. Work. We understand and that. Like, where do you draw the line? And. You simply say,
4: while we appreciate the issue that exists with Northern Ireland, while we appreciate that issue and we'll work to try to solve it, we are going to ask everybody coming into Cork, Dublin and Shannon to quarantine. You can do the two. You could do the two. How
13: effective it would be with the back door as wide open as Northern Ireland.
14: Yeah, but what you
4: now now have is people coming in from certain countries who will have to go and quarantine. But they'll be coming through and they'll be mixing in the airport with people who don't have to quarantine. So if someone gets off a plane coming from, say, Brazil, they're mixing in the airport with people who came off another plane that didn't come from Brazil. So half of them are now going to quarantine and half of them are going about their business.
13: It will yep, what, go- what you're going to have is the people from these countries probably won't come because of the actual quarantine you think so? restrictions. Yeah, it, it has that's what actually happened in New Zealand and like the New Zealand model has worked that people because of the actual quarantine and because you have to pay for the quarantine in New Zealand they actually didn't come because the only way to work in New Zealand is that you yeah. actually didn't have to pay for if you were a resident staying yeah, over the three yeah, month there, period
4: there was that just lastly before I let you go someone is saying about the the addresses to the nation which they agree with what you say but was your lad started it
13: it was but you know what it shows how the world has moved in 12 months 12 months ago I would have popped up and listened to them and not because it was Leo right but like do you know they were really kind of dangerous times there's been so many of them there's been so many addresses yeah. were kind they're of losing of their edge totally the opinion line with
4: PJ Coogan on courts 96 FM I'm going to get into trouble for what I'm going to say now but I don't care. I I see all over the country and all over the city now not in too many places but there will be tinfoil bought this weekend in places it was never bought before and little hats will be made out of the tinfoil and those little hats will be put on by certain people because they've just heard that the smart meters are coming on stream. In the next while, I have no doubt, it will come up on the programme 1850 715 996. John says there is an opt-out on these meters. Ring the customer service number on the bill. Smart meters can be used to differentiate the tariffs. And you have great trust if you think they'll use that information to bring your bill down. That's not what these companies are in business for. They might give you bargains at the start, but that won't last. And remember, of course, that with the smart meter, they will know when you go to the toilet because they will check the microchip that you get in the Pfizer vaccine and they'll be able to link you back to the smart meter. So they'll always know. Gee! Anyway. (laughs) Good morning. (laughs) No, actually, to be fair with John, there is something about those smart meters. We might look into it. With regard to tariffs, they can monitor the tariff you use, they can change the tariff you use with the smart meter, and it can be done pretty much automatically. I know that, yeah, but I, I, I'm just thinking that the things that I've been told smart meters will do uh, to you over the next mo- couple of years, like that, oh, stop, 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 stop. Eighteen fifty-seven one five nine nine six the number, the text of WhatsApp, 083-396-9696. 96 96, the email opinion at 96FM dot IE. If you missed anything in the first couple of hours this morning, remember you can get it on the podcast, which will be ready for you in the afternoon. It goes up on all the various platforms. We start with it on Twitter and then it goes everywhere. And remember it's free to celebrate and to prepare for virtual National Thank You Day, which we spoke to Graham Clifford about a month ago, that he wanted to set it up and he wanted us just to turn around and thank somebody for something that they did, no matter what it was, no matter how small, no matter how huge. Graham, good morning to you. Good morning, TJ. How are you? Good. Now, it's this Sunday. How do we get involved?
14: Well, I suppose that the basic idea, as you said, is to enable people or to encourage people to stop, think, and reflect on the last year and to thank somebody who has helped them personally uh, get through what's been such a difficult year and so terribly difficult for a lot of families. Um, and so to get involved, it's just the case of doing something to thank somebody. So that can be literally sending a text message or an email or a WhatsApp, or you can be more creative, PJ, make a card or a sign or a TikTok, but do something that mm. says, thank you. And I think the act of saying thanks is uh, huge. And th- for the person who receives the thanks, it's, it's very significant as well. And we're doing it PJ on the anniversary of the first case of COVID-19 being yeah. detected in Ireland. Yeah.
4: Yeah, it was actually the 29th, but of course that Mm. doesn't exist this year. So you're right, it was the Saturday night late that the announcement came. Yeah, to remember. Mm. So the the first first case, yeah. Um, Where did the idea come from? Was it to mark that occasion? Yes, I
14: was, um, as you know, I'm stuck in so many different (laughs) initiatives and I have this awful affliction where if I get an idea, I'm unable to put it aside and I also think why not go big with all these ideas rather than small. So one night I woke up and I went and something that everybody can take part in, uh, which this is would be a good thing to kind of be a positive distraction for people I think at this very difficult time because you know that Sunday newspapers will have collages of of pictures of of all the poor people who have lost their lives to COVID-19 and it can be very difficult. Already this part of the pandemic is so difficult for people and their mental health. So I thought there needs to be something else on that weekend, mm. so, something that just lifts people. And we've seen a huge, um, people have just taken to it, PJ, you know. It's a very simple idea, but we've had support all across the board, right from President Higgins, who wrote a lovely letter about it to me, uh, you know, down to preschools and schools and guards and uh, every everywhere you know it's been f- fantastic and this um, video that we're putting out today um tries to encapsulate that i suppose
4: yeah yeah because we've had i started it this morning when we came on air at 9 just the little things that that people were grateful for and it's amazing yeah. the smallest thing can oh. make an enormous difference
14: oh but i mean but i mean but, yeah i'm using this kind of phrase i suppose pj small gestures big impacts you know like I I remember one day going into a shop here in Fermoy and having the weight of the world on my shoulders, and, and just there was a bubbly sh- person behind the counter who was kind and sweet and took a moment to ask how how I was, you know. And I'm sure to them they probably did the same to everybody along the line, but to me it, I walked out of the shop in better form than I walked in, and that, and that and then I treat others around me then better because I'm in better form and so there's a knock-on impact you know yeah. for fly wings and um, and as a country i think we've been i think we we should we should um take a moment to say well done to ourselves as well this has been a a really difficult time yeah. and tin tin foil hats aside people have really pulled up their sleeves and 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 helped others um to to get through
4: it uh, They have no no i it was a word an old word that came to prominence very much in the first few weeks, and and I, I began using it probably too much. But mehl,
14: yeah, that old no, community the
4: right pulling yeah. together
14: mehel. And you know, and you know what I love, and and this is you know this is very much part of what I do. I, I really believe it's so important that inclusion is part of everything we do in society. So you know, in it, uh, part of, of the initiative has been that it's multilingual, that migrants are involved. Yeah. So it's mehel, but the mehel of ireland 2021 this wonderful combination of people and faces and colors and cultures Hmm. uh, where decency is the thing that knits everything together
4: is there a little hashtag that people can use on sunday
14: there is the hashtag that we're using is uh, a very very irish term i suppose really it's uh, thanks a million so all the one word hashtag thanks a million and it's interesting actually you know that there's a broadcaster angela Scanlon who works a lot in the uk and a lot in ireland And she has a podcast that is called Thanks a Million. So people like her have been really good at pushing it as well online. And um, we've we've had emails from around the world saying, oh, my God, can we do it here? You know, it's just a simple idea. But because it's simple, everybody can do it. I mean, everybody can say thanks. And there isn't one person on this island today that has got through the last year without the help of somebody else.
4: Graham, before I let you go, I want to ask you about something that is in the news this morning, um, that I know you're very passionate about, the direct provision system, and you were involved in the setting up of the sanctuary runners. How do you feel about the proposed changes we're hearing today with the elimination of direct provision and its replacement with a new system by 2024?
14: Well, I, I think there's an awful lot in the white paper that... Uh, is, is is new and is to be welcomed. The tone of it is, is very different to anything we've seen over the last 20 years. Um, I suppose initially, you know, there's a good saying that, you know, planting a seed is a promise, but watering the seeds is fulfillment. And so at the moment, these are just words on paper. And over the last 20 years, there's been a lot of words on paper, the McMahon report and other reports, So we'll see. I'm I'm hopeful that a lot of what's in that white paper uh, will come to pass. Mm. There's still a lot of questions. There's a lot of grey areas. Um, The time frame is a slight concern for me.
4: 2024, yeah.
14: In Ireland, if you want something done, it needs to happen quickly or else it gets pushed out. I mean that's. I mean whether we like it or not, that tends to be the reality. Mm. And this, this is every amb-
4: possibility we will have had another general election by 2024. You see. Yeah,
14: that's right. That's right. And and I mean this this the plan. I won't get into the nuts and bolts of it now, but it requires a lot of innovation and forward thinking and problem solving, and it 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 will require local authorities to be involved in that process as yeah. well. And this doesn't come naturally to us well, as a country. Well. Um So. I, I think there's so much in it that's good and, and of course they
4: welcome it of We'll, course, we'll have, to have to wait and see how, how it works thing. out I've no doubt we'll come back to it again I just wanted to touch on it with you well, I had you on the air Graham because of your interest and your involvement Thank you very much and good luck with National Thank You Day That's Graham Clifford Let us go to Jonathan O'Connor uh, with the Conseil branch of the RNLI Hi Jonathan Good morning PJ You've reasons to be grateful
15: Yeah it, it's um, it's basically to to say thank you um for the continuous sp- support that the the RNLI have been getting through this pandemic and um, like we we still remain on on operational for call out um 24/7 throughout this pandemic and uh it has it has been a busy year so far along the the southwest coast um outs are up into double figures so far um which is it's not a good sign for yeah. for the outcome of the year, but... Um, yeah. But
4: you, know, you got our, a nice our... big donation this week with a good story behind it. Tell me that.
15: Yeah, exactly. So um, it's it's mainly uh, to say thank you to to the gang from uh, McCarthy's Bar in San, San Francisco, um, where a Kinsale man, uh, John Farley, and the bar owner, Eileen McCarthy, who's originally from Kinsale and from Drina, uh, the two of them and a group of around two dozen other Irish people managed to raise five thousand two hundred. Wow! Um, for for the Kinsale Iron light. So it, it it's that's a that's a, an outrageous amount to to suddenly get, and we were
4: delighted to hear it. And what prompted them to do it? Their own connection to Kinsale, is it?
15: Yeah. So John Farley's uh, an original Kinsale man, and moved out to San Francisco, and uh, so towards the end of the, the American NFL season, uh John decided to organize with a, a pool of around twenty five of his friends, all from West Cork. Um and they over the final four San Francisco forty Nineer games, um they they managed to raise five thousand two hundred. It's it's a substantial amount and it's
4: fabulous it's, it will go to great use. Um, Absolutely. That that's lovely and that that's reasons to be grateful. I think 5000 reasons to be grateful. Jonathan, thank you very much. That's Jonathan O'Connor of Kinsale RNLI and to the staff and the friends of McCarthy's bar in San Francisco. Uh, big thanks to them. Now Catherine, got in touch again, small things. Hi Catherine.
16: Hi it's PJ. Just first of all to say thank you thanks to you and your crew and 96FM for keeping us up to date. Thank you. Authentic news and the uh, the COVID virus and unlike our government only for you we'll be left with, with you know the true the true story you know so thank, thank you. you to your crew. What's your and you. Yeah, and just to say mass- I want to say massive thanks to uh, both Aaron, especially Paul Walsh Sr. Um, yesterday I left my purse on the bus and there was all my w- my money for the week within it, you know a lot of money and also my, my card, I left it on the the two bus going from Mahan into town and um, I rang Bus Erin there was a Catherine that answered the phone she was so lovely so I want to thank her for her support and then Sean the supervisor who alerted the buses and Paul Walsh then who was the driver that handed my purse into into the bus office oh, and uh, totally intact so a massive thanks to uh, Bus Erin, the, the crew for their teamwork yesterday, Catherine um, Paul Walsh Sr and Sean, the supervisor all of you for for my purse yesterday and I'd like to thank Sid Anthony too, my best friend for keeping my purse safe <laughs> you know, That's cause lovely, Catherine. I, I pray to him all the time so PJ again, thank you so much for all your hard work on the COVID virus and for the three studies running our, running our country, oh my god don't <laughs> make me <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Take care, PJ. <laughs>
4: Take care, you too, Catherine. Thank you very much. 185715996. And to Paul and to everybody else in both and who sorted out her purse yesterday. Thank you. On the subject of thankfulness, can I please thank Glamity Jane. Ah, shall we know Glamity? Glamity Jane for her Twitter presence. And personally, in a very isolated situation for the past year, she lifts my spirits on a daily basis. She's funny, warm and kind to her followers and has created a wonderful space. Ah, she's great crack. And she's been a guest on the programme with us many, many times. Also, very emotional lady on the phone. Wanted to say a huge thank you to the staff of St Finbar's Hospital who looked after her for eight weeks recently and who couldn't have done enough. And if there's anybody that you'd like to thank before we quit today, please do let us know at 83 396 '96, 96 96, as we mark Graham Clifford's uh, virtual National Day of Thanks to mark the occasion of the first case of COVID-19 arriving in the Republic of Ireland. Did we ever think, lads, did we ever think that we'd still be talking about it 12 months hence? And probably will be for another few months. Actually, to finish today, I have something really lovely. Uh, I'd like for you to finish on Friday with a smile because Friday is the day that I pack up a little bit early and get the hell out of, out of Dodge and just take the rest of the day off. I don't touch work of any kind until tomorrow. And I love my Fridays for that reason. And I thought I'd give, like to give you something nice to finish on Friday. The Welsh... Comedian and artist Max Boyce wrote a poem, almost at the start of this, called Only the Tide Went Out. It was lovely. I think we played a clip of it here at one stage early in the pandemic. And uh, it's been a data. I don't know who the man is. All I sense is that he's from County Clare because there's mention of Clare in it. But a man has done his own Irish version and it's beautiful. And I'm going to play out with about a minute of it. Because it's lovely Uh, when only the tide went out. Just a little bit of hope that we will get through and get out of this. And here is my hope for today as we head into the first anniversary of the first case, the anniversary of the very first case in the Republic of Ireland. I sincerely hope that by this day next year, COVID-19 will be something we will remember only as something we had to go through. I sincerely hope that by this time next year, it will be in the past. That is that is my hope for today. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Do you want to go travelling? I know we will eventually. We will eventually go travelling. Man's written a book about his travels in Australia. Now the travels were years ago, but he's used the opportunity of lockdown to write the book. I talk to John Dwyer
3: next. This is Courts Gold, Imro Award Winning Talk Show, The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
0: Text or WhatsApp now: Oe
3: 96, 96, 96 on Courts ninety six FM.
4: So, John Dwyer, when when did you visit the Australian outback? Good morning to you. Morning, PJ.
9: Um, this was a part of a trip I did around the world in 2004, so I'd worked in America for a while, and it was always my dream to to see the world, you know, so I took that opportunity then, and I started my trip in South Africa, continued on to Australia and New Zealand, and then finished up in China and India.
4: What was the travel bug? How did it grab you?
9: Oh, good question. Um, I think as early as I can remember, PJ. You know, I've as a kid, I was always more interested in atlases and comics. And for some reason, you know, when I looked at one of those atlases and I saw these 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 spaces, I always wondered what was there, what what people lived there, what villages were there. So there was a curiosity in me, I suppose, to to go and see the world. And when I had that opportunity, I grabbed it. Uh, I'm delighted I did, and obviously that kind of I had a, that writing bug as well. So the two married to kind of produce this book.
4: And you journaled as you went along.
9: I did. Correct, PJ. I did. I kept diaries every night. And, you know, this is probably the time before the Internet was kind of just blossoming. I came home and I started to put all those journals onto Word documents. And at the time, um, I looked and I said, you know, this wouldn't actually make a bad, bad couple of books. Mm. And at the time, it was just when the Amazon Kindle was was coming out, oh, and yeah. that was a very lucky coincidence for me. It enabled me to kind of to publish my work without, would we'll say, going through more traditional yeah. uh, publishing houses.
4: Because you self published through Amazon for the Kindle, didn't you?
9: I did, correct. So actually, I started off with um, the China book, which was called High Road to Tibet. And that was a really big success. And that kind of opened my eyes to say, "Wow, this isn't just you know, one or two copies a year. This could actually sell quite well." And that encouraged me to keep going. Then, and the next one then was actually it was actually about growing up in West Cork, which is not not travel related, but something I wanted to record for for my children. You know, the the, the life that I had growing up there is probably gone now. And I got back into the, with the travel again. You know, started writing about South Africa. That was my third book. And so the most recent one, Australia, is my fourth. So the, the 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 series is kind of a little bit, a little bit not linear, but um, yeah. at least I kept going with it, you know. Yeah. So I haven't been I haven't been <laughs> I haven't been sitting my hands since since two thousand and four for sure.
4: You you tend to follow the the path less travelled when you're visiting a yeah. your place, don't you? Yeah, oh.
9: absolutely, Peter. Um, you know, while while I love the, the popular places like the big cities, what, what really gives me that sense of that thrill is to go in a place that's unknown. Uh, I think when I landed in China, that's when I really, really got the thrill. You know, I was going to a place where I really did not know the language, obviously, couldn't understand the the script. um, But I got a thrill out of kind of meeting people that hadn't probably seen a a tourist maybe in in years, if ever. And to me, that was was the thrill of travel. And I tried to keep that going when I went to Australia. I, I, I stayed away from... You know, the big cities, and I went out to the Outback mm. and I met the characters there and kind of tr- most of the country in the three months that I spent there.
4: The sense that you get from what you say about the Outback, how you describe it, is we have no idea of the vastness of this. Absolutely, PJ. I mean, I'm sure
9: many of your listeners have, you know, uh, family and siblings and sons and daughters living in Australia, and I probably think that 90% are probably based in either Brisbane or, or Sydney or Perth, but I mean I travel up from Perth along the western Western Australia and it was eye-opening you, they, you measure your journeys there in days really? because you, you cut three or 400 miles and it's like there's no change, the countryside is much the same every day mm. and you look on a map and you think well we must have covered quite distance and you realise it's like a, a fingernail <laughs> So it's really a vast, it's continent, you know, it's a continent, it's a country. Mm. So it, it's a huge country, but incredibly interesting uh, in, in all parts.
4: Yeah, you're talking hundreds of miles between two places of population and all the things that you see. And did you travel alone?
9: So I, I started my trip alone, but like anyone who's done solo trips, you, you, you always meet people to share the journey. So... On one particular part, I would have shared it with, with uh, a, a guy who owned a van and another girl from, from, uh, from Germany. Then I would have met another couple of people to share the journey from, let's we'll say, Darwin down south. And again, you're always meeting people that are going the same direction as you are. But always, you know, the, the, the joy of, of solo travel for me, at least, Pedro, is that I could always go and do what I wanted. So if they didn't want to go in, yeah. into the back of beyonds, I could just say, guys, I'm, I'm going here. We'll see you later. And I could do that. That, that gave me that freedom.
4: Looking back, and you're you're a family man now, and I'm sure, yeah. a, a different t- type of life. Looking back in it now, <laughs> do, do you appreciate the incredible opportunity that you absolutely. had? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean,
9: I, I. The one thing I remember working down home in uh, in in IREs near Castletown Bear was someone told me once. You know, the, when I talked about my my ideas of travel, they said, "Just do it." You know, this was a man who had a family. He, he never had a chance. So he probably wanted to do it himself. He said, just do it. Don't don't wait. And, and i really, really glad I took that advice because looking back at it, no, and obviously with the current situation we have, mm. you know, no one's traveling. And But I just listened to what you were saying before that about the Welsh ports. Yeah, there's hope. We will be back out again. I will be traveling again. This time
4: it'll be, mm. it'll be with two kids in Yeah, would you have an interest in bringing the kids to see the places that you Absolutely. want? Absolutely. Yeah?
9: I would, yeah, I would. I think it's great for, for young people to see the world and to realize that, you know, that, that kids their own age, growing up in different countries, they have a lot of similarities, I'm sure. You know, I'm sure the online gaming thing or or the, the interests are the same, but they might have different uh, aspects. Well, it gives them an idea of what people... You know, are like in other countries. So I think travel is a great education. Mm. You know, not to rely on everything that we hear in the media
4: or in the internet, but to see it for yourself. Go and see I mean, it that, for
9: yourself.
4: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is there a? I mean, you mentioned IREs and 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 that you you live and you are from and your family are from one of the most beautiful places in the world. Thanks PJ, couldn't, no, couldn't agree, more. Couldn't agree on, more On a summer's, yeah. on a summer's <laughs> day with the sun on the ocean they, You know, Absolutely. You know, you know there, there, are, there are things that we see in nature that if you were, you could be the the most devout atheist in the room but there are yeah. certain things that make you wonder, there's a God yeah. there yeah. Alighys is know. one of those places, so is there anywhere you've seen in your travels that compares with the beauty of Alighys?
9: Ali, Ali, good. I mean, like the, I think the the drive you're talking about is the one from to Ali, yes, there, that drive the over yeah, there. Gosh, yeah,
4: my you God, can that's see the Shettigs,
9: Yeah, <sighs> and you can see Koolik Bay. That's, you know, even even from being from there, anytime I'm down there, I I pull over and I just get out of the car and I gape because it's it's that that's stunning. Um, have I seen anything? See my travels, like the world, you know, anywhere you go, you'll see beauty. You know, I, 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 along Australia, you saw I saw some incredible places like. But for a different reason, you know, you, you see in the north there there are these giant termite mounds that are like three four meters high uh, in Kakadu National Park. You see Uluru, you know, which is formerly known as Ayers Rock. This incredible. I mean, when you see it, like it's it's quite quite an experience. Like there's nothing but desert, flat desert, and this mountain, this vast mountain. Uh, Tasmania has has you know the the rainforests, you know these these temperate rainforests these. Unbelievable places, and you you have beautiful reefs on the western shore where you can where you can swim with sea turtles and, and sea sharks and this
4: kind of and thing. And avoid the salties.
9: <laughs> and avoid the salties
4: at all costs.
9: Yeah. So no matter how many times they tell me the freshwater crocodile, I'll just say if I'm always wondering, like I don't want to be the first victim of a freshwater crocodile <laughs> if I can help it. But yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, Australia's great, but also dangerous. You yeah. know, I mean. I, I mentioned it in the article there in, in the Echo that we were up in Kakadu and, you know, there's plenty of signs out there warning people about the presence of saltwater crocodiles, which are the dangerous ones, you know. Mm, to well humans. they're
4: savage boogers, them.
9: <laughs> savage, yeah. And I think two weeks after my trip there, uh, a German German tourist was tragically killed by a saltwater crocodile in the exact same billabong that we were swimming in oh, uh, two weeks earlier. So, yeah, it was, it was really brings it home to you that, uh, you know, this isn't just uh, like a sun holiday. This is, this is nature. This yeah. is where all it's, it's ferocity.
4: Where so can it's, we it's, get our hands on these books, and particularly the new one?
9: So if you go to Amazon, it's up on Amazon as a Kindle and as a paperback. And also if you visit my website, okay. um, they all the details are there, PJ. And also if any of your listeners, you know, are interested in, in, in finding out how he did this, you know, I encourage anyone with a story to tell. You know, go up to my website, JohnDwyerBooks.com. I'll be help- helpful to anyone who wants to, to figure it out.
4: All right, all right. Look forward to it. Thanks very much, John Dwyer. Good luck with the, the latest book, uh An adventure in the Australian Outback, uh, weird and wonderful places and people that he has seen and that he's met, and uh, still he comes home to one of the most gorgeous places on the planet. 185715 nine nine six Anne wants to thank me for doing a lovely job on the radio every day. Thank you. I've been listening every single day since you started on the Opinion Line. Also I want to say thank you to my daughter in law, Anne Marie, who delivers meals to my doorstep every day. And to Connie Mary says thank you to Terry McCarthy, I oh, know Terry, conductor of the Dundanian Singers in Blackrock, her patience and kindness throughout all of this has been incredible, and a huge thanks to ninety six M and the Opinion Line. I love the show and listen every day. Thank you to the staff of the day centre, Turners Cross, in particular Maeve, who's been brilliant for all the people who used it. They're locked in at home now, but she keeps in touch with them and has been brilliant, especially from Dinny. Uh, she literally kept Dinny alive. Thanks, Dinny. PJ, huge shout-out to all the in rare diseases Ireland. Sunday is World Awareness Day. I got a rare disease diagnosis for my little boy during the week. Wasn't expecting it at all. I'm on my own in the hospital with my little boy, climbing all over me while I tried to absorb this news and statistics and prognosis. Spent the first few days in floods of tears and panic mode. Then I found rare diseases in Ireland online. They've been a godsend to me since I found them. They're a super organisation. And can I mention a pal of my own who's having it rough at the moment... Uh, And that is Lauren Walsh, who was one of the first people who alerted me to the existence of rare diseases in Ireland. Lauren has Elder Analyst Syndrome, and she's been having a rough few months. Um, Thoughts with you, kid? We will see each other sometime. Sometime. Um, It's been hard for a long, long time. To get to see one another, but we uh, we keep in touch on Facebook.
3: The opinion line on Corks 96 FM.
0: With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota Hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See Lehan
3: this is Quartz Gold Imro Award-winning talk show, The Opinion Line, with PJ Coogan. Call
0: us now, 1850-715-996,
3: on Quartz 96FM.
4: There's a man to whom I'll always be thankful. When my life was on the bottom of the gutter, he showed me that not only could I restart it, but that I would, and I did pint bottles of Bulmers and pint glasses full of ice next door to 1F when it all starts to head in the upward direction. He knows who he is. Thank you. 1850 996 Let us head back to North Cork and the lead story in our news bulletins today. Our senior news correspondent Fiona Corcoran has the latest on the discovery of two men's bodies near Mitchellstown this morning. Hi Fee, good morning. We have had that van was found.
17: Hi PJ, Um, the van was found a couple of kilometres away from the farm. Um, It was found just outside St Joseph's Church, which is known here as Killacooig Church and the car was found abandoned and, or it was a van, sorry, a red Toyota Cola van and Gardaí are currently searching for the driver of that van now the Garda helicopter was circling the scene here a while ago and um, there's a lot of Garda activity in this quiet rural area and that search is um, going on for the driver of that van and if anybody has any information um, in relation to that incident, they're asked to contact Gardaí now the scene where the the two men's bodies were discovered in the early hours of this morning is also sealed off. It's up a laneway um, not far from that church and um, the men's bodies remain at the scene. Um, A Garda forensic examination is taking place um, we're currently awaiting the arrival of Assistant State Pathologist Dr Margaret Bolster who will carry out a preliminary examination of the two bodies and then um, the bodies will be taken to CUH for a full post-mortem examination. Um, we know at this stage that one of the bodies was discovered in the yard of the farm and the other body was discovered in um, the shed. Two brothers aged in their 60s. I believe one of those men lived on that farm, the other um, lived in... Um, the North Cork area, and um at this stage now we 're still unsure as to what uh, actually happened here or what caused um, this incident to happen here in the early hours of this morning. do we know how they died um, uh, it hasn 't been officially released yet by Gardaí but um I I understand that there may have been a firearm used, okay. but um, at this stage we're just waiting for confirmation okay. on all of those details from Gardy at the minute. But you know the the community here is very much in shock and very saddened by what's happened. Um, I did speak to local councillor Frank Roach earlier, and he said that you know as I said it's a it's a very quiet rural, close knit community, and they're just absolutely devastated and. You know, a lot of the people who are around here, you know, it's not a scene that you'd like to see in your neighbourhood. There's no. a lot of guard activity. There's a lot of media around. And, um, you know, people are, are just trying to come to terms with this yeah. tragic case today. So, okay. um,
4: Close, Close-knit country communities, and it, it really does strike them hard. Thank you very much, Fiona, for that update. That's Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter at Cork's 96 FM. So the van has been located, the van they were looking for, uh, earlier this morning. Now they want to know if anybody saw it or can help them. And if you can, the guards have a confidential number that you can ring. Uh, it's 1-800-666-111. That's the gather confidential helpline or indeed any Garda station. But one 800 666 I played this trailer earlier in the morning and asked you have you been watching it
0: pinch myself and say i am awake i'm louise your secretary
3: it's nice to meet you
0: i work for your husband you work with david small world they're both happier with me than they are with each other is it happening
7: again david
3: what are you talking
7: about you know what i
0: mean you do know what's going on
3: here we're just as messed up as anyone
4: else Just better at hiding it. It's smashing, Netflix. It is called Behind Her Eyes, and it sells itself as a kind of a romantic menage a trois with a twist, but it's an awful lot more than that. It's strange. But, God, you can't take your eyes off it for a second. Melissa Carton at her.ie. Hi, Melissa. Hiya. It is very strange, isn't it? But you just can't stop watching it.
8: Oh, I watched it
18: all in one night. I was, Did you? I originally, oh, planned Don't give me the twist, the then.
4: Don't give weeks. me the twist. I'm three episodes in, but it's it's really, really good.
18: Oh, it's brilliant. And like even within the first episode, you're completely drawn into it, which I think is the mark of a good show. You want to feel invested in the plot and the characters from the very start.
4: Now, it starts with a one-night stand with a woman who then discovers that the guy she's just met in a bar is her new boss, he is married and the wife and herself become friends. And that in itself kind of looks like another hundred films or hundred programs you've seen, but it's then the differences begin to emerge.
18: Oh yeah, I think, you know, quite quickly you start seeing, well, there's both of the characters, the female characters anyway, you can see having kind of night terrors or strange hallucinations. And you're kind of like, okay, what's this about? And there's kind of hints that there's something else going on, particularly in the marriage, Hmm. that, you know, you're like, okay, got to watch the next episode, what's going on here?
4: Yeah, and you know, there's a bad guy in that marriage, but we don't know which one it is.
18: Yeah, and it keeps twisting and turning. I know you said you're only halfway through, but I found, like, I kept, like the main character going oh I don't like him I think he's a bad guy and then switching go oh no maybe not maybe we're being fooled to think he's a bad guy and then switching back again
4: and it's brilliantly written because you cannot let it go it's really really good like that and as I said there is a massive twist at the end I don't want to know about it but one of the reasons I tuned in was A because people were talking about it and I wanted to see it but B I'm a huge fan of Eve Hewson and she is fabulous in this
18: oh she's brilliant in it and I think you know when you have a famous dad or like Bono, and there's a lot of actors who do have famous parents, and they get flacked, and they're said, "Oh, they only got that job because of their parents." But she yes. is a brilliant actress, and she has such range during mm. the show as well.
4: She she has, and she's playing an enormous part of a very strange person. Now um, she she proved herself many years ago in a in a program called The Nick, which is set in a an old hospital. But but she and it's the, the hair. Seems wrong.
18: Oh, which one? She has her long
4: black hair. The black hair seems all wrong. The dark <laughs> hair. She wears white all the time. It draws you to her. But she is. She's very, and her eyes captivate the whole screen.
18: Yeah, she's, the whole, the whole um, persona she has is brilliant in it. And like, she keeps changing as well because she, you know, you're like, oh, is she really just meek and quiet? And then you kind of see her lose her mind completely and
4: Chopping I, oh. chopping the peppers if anyone chopped peppers like that in my kitchen <laughs> I'd run
18: Yeah <laughs> Oh no I am not even looking while she's doing it <laughs> I know.
4: I'm know. i thinking there's going to be fingers in it And this, I, it's, it's a real one night binge though it's only a six parter so you know bottle of wine and bar of chocolate and away you go Yeah well
18: like that I ended up watching it in one night I'd Hadn't planned to, but then you're like every episode, there's kind of like a cliffhanger, so i like, oh no, what happens next? So I just ended up watching the whole thing.
4: Yeah, it's it's really great. And as I said, for her performance, for the storyline, and for the way it, your, th- your, your thinking changes every five minutes, and we still don't know what Rob is about. I can't figure him out, and I'm three episodes in.
18: Yeah, like I won't give anything away, but. Yeah, I was very surprised by the ending. Okay. Very surprised. I thought I knew what the twist was going to be. I absolutely did not.
4: Okay. All right. I think I'll be up late to play tonight somehow. Melissa, thank you very much. Melissa Carton, journalist for Her.ie Super Program. Uh, it's called Behind Her Eyes on Netflix.
1: Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines.